Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Everton 2, Southampton 1. This is your Blue Room Post Match. I'm Rob Vera. Joined this week uh, by Matt Flusk. Matt, we are the C team, I think, buddy. You know, we've got uh, <laughs> we've got people out. We've got people uh, in London for the marathon this weekend. And so we are here to save the day. And, you know, the worst thing, Matt, whenever I get pulled into late post-match duty is if I end up getting... Uh, assigned to a real clunker of a game but I don't even know where to begin <laughs> with with what we just saw because on, on one level that absolutely was a bit of a clunker and yet yeah. uh, how many times do we await you know automatically associate the the word clunker with a, a really ugly Everton loss or result in general and yet uh, they 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 it kind of just uh, found a way to win ugly. Uh, it was kind of a, a strange game where Everton sort of, I, I don't know if dominated is the right word, but they were definitely the better side in the first half. Uh, and then it, it, the story of the match, 10 minutes in the first half, uh, Southampton go up 1-0. And then in quick succession, you, of course, have very predictable. Second half. Yeah, or, yeah, in the second half. Um, in the second half, you have uh, the first 10 minutes of that second half really being the story. Southampton go up 1-0. Everton, of course, predictably getting goals from Connor Cody and uh, Dwight McNeil. Uh, Shite McNeil, as he's known to those of us who truly understand and love him. Uh, Matt, uh, it, it then devolved into kind of a weird game after that. Everton had chances to kind of put the thing away. Southampton never really looked like uh, they, they had a couple of chances themselves, especially there close to the end that that they left wanting. Um, it, it wouldn't have shocked me for this to have somehow ended up in a very frustrating draw. And yet Everton found a way to hold on through six minutes uh, ish of <laughs> stoppage time. And uh, they end up the winning 2-1. Matt, what do you make of what we just saw? Yeah, it, it did threaten, didn't it, to look like a bit of a clunker in the first half. It wasn't a, it was a very poor game in terms of quality. Um, 
not many clear-cut chances. We thought maybe the second half would carry that on. And to be honest, other than that five, ten-minute spell, it largely was a bit of a scrappy, rubbish game in terms of like actual quality of play and both teams giving it away loads. Pickford obviously had to put himself on the line to keep the 2-1. So, oh, crikey. Sorry. <laughs> Everyone's just descended on the house. Um, yeah, so can't be anything but delighted with that. I, I was sort of watching watching that sequence of corners in the second half when it looked like they were really threatening us. And I mean, caveated that I was watching it on a, uh, let's say, a, a um, creatively acquired video feed. So <laughs> it was a bit of a delay on that. So I had my phone notifications on. So I, I knew every time they actually attacked us that they weren't actually going to score because I didn't get the notification on my phone like three minutes beforehand. But even so, I was watching that sequence of corners thinking maybe a point wouldn't be a terrible result from this, but mm-hmm. just absolutely delighted that they managed to get out of there with the three points and now up to the uh, the height of 11th and yeah. uh, level on points with our lovable neighbours. I yeah, <laughs> well yeah, that's uh, that's certainly going to uh, that that is there were certainly some interesting results, uh, especially that that one at Anfield today. But um, yeah, um, I, it was strange because I, I felt like on the one there were varying times where I felt like uh, a draw would be a fair result given the events, but it would have felt unfair given what I perceived at least, and I, and I don't think I'm alone in this, what I perceive to be the, uh, it's odd to say this about Everton compared to anyone, but I felt like there was a bit of a gulf in quality between us and Southampton today. Um, and I, I don't know if, and that's the thing is I, I say that while also acknowledging that a lot of a lot of our our attacking play, especially that that final third play today, was just brutal to watch at times. Um, Damari Gray, Demar, we we almost got the full Damari Gray experience today. <laughs> I want to start with him because uh, I think the full experience would have included him scoring a goal, but he is. Uh, he's so maddening to watch and yet you can't really question that that he's running his his ass off in these games he's he's in it all the time but some of the passes some of the just inexplicable turnovers there i i remarked on twitter matt that that he gives me that damari gray gives me kevin morales feelings and 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 i don't mean that they're exactly the same player but when i say he gives me those feelings damari gray is one of those types of players for whom you watch him and feel like at any moment he's capable of something you know, pretty special, borderline spectacular. And then in the same breath, he will absolutely make you throw the remote control at the screen as he uh, holds on to a ball too long. He doesn't convert something simple uh, after you see him convert so many things that are much more difficult. Uh, he, He just can make you a little crazy. And yet... Uh, with with the slew of substitutions, which we'll talk about from the second half, uh, Demar Gray uh, played pretty late on into that game <laughs> because there is just something about him. Probably the 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 amount of of, of running he puts in and so on that, and and just the the ability for him to at any time maybe finish off that game that I think keeps 
keeps Frank Lampard, uh, you know, going with him time after time. Yeah, and I'm exactly the same. I was very frustrated by his performance, probably unfairly, have been all season, to be honest. But there must be a reason why Frank Lampard gives him 90 minutes week in, week out. And it probably is a combination of, like you say, the, the running, the, the work ethic he puts in, even late on into the game, you know, pinning the opposition back to make sure they can't break on us. And also just dead ball deliveries as well. Um, some of his corners today were fantastic. Some of the best I've seen from him since he signed. And yeah, yeah he's never going to have a, you know, nine out of 10 game every single week. I mean, that, that's why we got him for what, one and a half million pounds. I think yeah. it's a simple fact that it, it was a guy who was, on, if not on the scrap heap, on his way to be chucked on the scrap heap. And, you know, he's been brought brought back out of relative football obscurity and back to England. And yeah, um, I'm, I'm fine with it. I'm fine with him, really. He's, he's not. I mean, I was until the goal. I was more frustrated with Dwight McNeil today, to be honest. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, me and my dad were literally screaming at the television. You know, to take him off, take him off. Say, oh, he scored. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, Brilliant. and then he I, scored. I <laughs> but that, that's the most Everton thing, isn't it? It's the most Everton thing in the world. And yeah, self and Connor Cody scoring, and I'm, I'm delighted to see that as well because. Going into this season, we were all terrified with not having uh, Calvert Lewin. You know, people saying, "Oh, we're going to be bottom of the table after ten games and all stuff." Mm-hmm. I'm delighted to see the goals being shared around like that. Yeah, well, and let's 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 definitely talk about kind of the you know leading up to the goals. You know, the the initial setup for the game. I mean, the starting eleven really wasn't a surprise outside of Anthony Gordon sitting, and we found out uh, shortly after the team was named that he had been dealing with a little bit of sickness this week, and so. You know, once that's the case, you knew Coleman was coming in for Patterson. You knew Pickford would be back. And unlike um, <laughs> unlike the the game that I was uh, fortunate enough to attend at home to West Ham before the break, uh, where you felt like Begovic came in and really had to not be special, but just not make mistakes. Uh, this felt like one of those games, uh, especially after watching all 90 minutes of it, that, that Pickford being back... Uh, was was I mean he wasn't I don't know if he was my man of the match but but he did that thing again where he was making the 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 saves that kept Everton in it for a period for for long periods of time I thought that or or for for or not kept them in it but but really kept them uh, afloat in terms of of having that lead and protecting it at two one because Southampton certainly uh, did have some some really dangerous chances uh, after that initial 10 minutes of the second half. Uh, Seamus Coleman coming in for Patterson. Wasn't sure what to think of, of what that would look like today with, with Coleman not having played in a long time, but you, you got, I think a pretty quintessential, uh, at least what you, what you hope to get out of Seamus Coleman, which was a very uh, cool headed performance today um, on one of the free kicks. I'm, I'm almost certain that, that uh, this was a Ward Prowse free. Uh, it was that Ward Prowse free kick. Seamus Coleman was the one who kind of came over and covered the post. I don't know if Pickford would have gotten to that. It was a really good free kick, but Coleman was right there, seemed to make good decisions throughout. Um, and, and so from that standpoint, you were kind of looking to see what the, you know, what the performances would look like from the rest of the, of the, of the side. I thought Everton in the first half were wasteful from the standpoint that you felt like the defense was solid, that the, 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 the side of the pitch was sort of tilted uh, in the direction uh, towards Southampton's defend uh, defensive end of the, of the, of the pitch. And you, 
felt like if, if Everton could just collect a little bit of quality, they would have been ahead. They go in at the half nil nil and that's when the goals start and so the first one matt uh drove me a little crazy i i don't know how you feel and i want to bring the subject up to you but i don't know if the defensive performances from everton at least collectively so far this season have been a bit of a rorschach test from the standpoint that depending on you how you look at it um you know we haven't conceded that many goals and yet there have been a lot of near misses. There have been a lot of uh, mistakes that in the past we have certainly paid for that we just, for whatever reason, haven't. You can call it luck. You can say that we're getting bounces that go our way. Uh, but the, the, the first goal uh, was, was one that just felt like a defensive calamity. You had what looked like uh, Gay kind of peeling off the ball a little bit, a little bit soft in terms of coming up towards, uh, towards Arebo. And, and, and really the, the rest of the defense just, just seemed to kind of, the water seemed to part for Arebo on that goal for Southampton. It was a bit crazy, but Matt, I, I'm kind of curious. I, I don't know what you make so far of Everton's defense. The, the, the bottom line, which is the goals conceded is okay. Uh, it's not, it's, you know, it's not great, but it's okay. The XGA, if you are into such things is a little bit alarming because you feel like uh, we could have been punished a lot more. Um, you know, obviously we go on to win this game, but you know, once again, there have just been a lot of dangerous moments there with, with the defense. I don't know if it's so much the defense, if it's still a midfield getting to to know one another in, in, in conjunction with that defense. But what do you make of the defensive performance today? And just generally speaking, this season, is it is it actually worse than it looks? Is it as good as it looks? Uh, kind of what's your what's your feeling on that? Well, I think it's as good or as bad as it looks while you're watching the game, if you just look at the stats and obviously the goals conceded, we look pretty good. Um, the biggest factors that I think is the set-piece defending, which is miles, miles better this season than it was last season. Mm, That's okay. where we shipped so many of our goals last year. But we've spoken about this over the past couple of weeks, me and you, Rob. And yeah, if you actually, if you look at like Pickford's stats, he's, he's way up there for what, what's the... Um, goals prevented per 90 minutes and stuff. He's, he's mm -hmm. head and shoulders above any other goalkeeper in the league, which, you know, looks like a good goalkeeper. But that's because there's quite a lot of times we've had to call on him. And I wouldn't call it... Well, no, I would. It is. It's a leaky defence in that it left it lets things through. And if you look at Tarkovsky and Cody's stats, it's very heavy on the blocks. They block a lot of shots, which means a lot of shots are getting through. Yeah. We're not getting like not getting through them, but a lot of shots are getting to that point where either you got your defender to block it or the goalkeeper to make the save. So it, it is something that I hope Lampard is looking at and hopefully trying to address it. Probably also that our midfield three, they've been pushed up a lot more than you know an equivalent midfield three would have been last season. So they, they will be getting caught behind more. Um we do need to, I mean, better, better quality opposition would absolutely rip us to pieces if we allow chances like that against Southampton. Um, yeah. yeah. Maybe well, just having one player dropped a bit further back, but we still don't have, for all the good midfield signings, we, we still don't have that deep-lying defensive midfielder, really. 
Mm. I mean, that, that was never gay, even in his previous spell here. He was always a, a bit of a runner, a bit of a aggy tackler. He was never like that deep sitting, you know, like a Gareth Barry type player. So we'll probably get after ride our luck a bit more, maybe until the January window if we get someone else in or, you know, maybe groom one of the existing players like maybe Tom Davis to take up that role. Um, mm. But yeah, it's... <laughs> we're, yeah. We're, hard to, we're hard to beat, we're hard to score against and that's good, but we do need to stop living so uh, such a charmed life and calling on Pickford so much because it will it will eventually come back to bite us. Yeah, there's a bit of living on the edge uh, to quote a, a very famous Aerosmith song with this group. And yet, you know, you, you, it's hard not to applaud, though, the resilience. I mean, this is ultimately a bottom line business. Um, the yeah, the I think that as I watch Everton, I I'm it's strange because this will sound like nitpicking in a, in a win. And I don't want to do that because we're going to certainly go on to talk about the goals and the response for sure. But um, you, you get the sense that there is um, it's not, you know how sometimes you'll watch a side and you'll be like, well, there's a mistake in this, in this guy or a mistake in this, this back four or whatever. Well, in Everton, those not only are there a mistake there, there usually are a few mistakes per game. It's just that Pickford has either been able to cover for a lot of those mistakes um, or they've had a, a, a last second deflection here or there. And again, those, those things by themselves are, are, are also important. They're not total flukes either. Um, I, I still, would take the um like i think we've talked about this before um you know tarkovsky for instance had a couple today where he just absolutely uh, i wanted to i wanted him shot for a couple of the turnovers and yet he'll also make a, a really good play uh, defensively here and there i think he and cody uh, are not necessarily a perfect partnership but they're such a present partnership and and, and i mean that I will take a bit of this wild ride with the hopes that it, the wrinkles will continue to get ironed out. Um, even if it's not the most talented defensive group, I will take their continuity and their cohesion. The fact that we're not having to chop and change these, these, you know, our center half pairing. And, and, you know, if, if Patterson doesn't get injured in a completely meaningless game for Scotland, we're, we're talking about the same essential back four that we've had for the entire you know, for, for the most of the entirety of the season so far. And so I, I think that as long as the results are like they are today, I think that these issues probably can get put aside a little bit, but uh, you, you definitely feel like Everton have, let's just say some upside and, you know, some, some opportunity for improvement, if you will, uh, defensively in terms of, of, of letting sides get chances, maybe playing a little too far off of them. I think we saw that in the first goal today. And Matt, after, after Southampton go up one nil, especially after I felt like Everton had really outplayed them for large parts of this, I had the, uh, you know, the old familiar Everton feeling that I'm sure you and many others probably had of, of kind of outplaying a side marginally and on the road. And then, of course, going down one nil and then being in the position to have to chase the game. But almost immediately uh, and in a flurry of God, what, what are we talking here um, in a <laughs> so Joe Rebo scores for Southampton in the 49th minute, Connor Cody. Uh, off of a, a really uh, nice play where the ball finds Onana at the back post who gets a, 
I, I, I'm generously assuming that that header was across the box to, to Cody, or he just completely butchered it. But I think it was, was him, do, you know, getting to a ball at the, at the back post right onto uh, Cody's uh, foot. It was a really, uh, again, not that it was super far away, but a really neat and tidy finish from Cody, uh, somewhat reminiscent of the goal uh, that that uh, was was uh, obviously uh, written off uh, against uh, Liverpool, but uh, Cody scores. And then while I'm still typing, <laughs> I, while I'm still sitting there on Twitter, kind of typing up my tweet about an equalizer, um, we get an interesting series in the box where I think it's uh, is it a, a Wobi plays a ball in Onana just gets a forearm shiver right to his backside for what looks like you would I, I don't know and I don't know if anyone saw whether or not the, the referee might have at that point called for a penalty or something like that with Everton I never assumed that the obvious uh, you know, call is going to go our way uh, but the ball finds McNeil at, at a bit of a wide angle who has a very nice finish from uh, the, the left side to, to put us up to one. And at that point, Matt, uh, the game felt completely out of hand and completely drunk. As I said, I certainly was not expecting that to be the last scoring action of the game. What did you make of that wild flurry where we, not only do we equalize, but we, we go up to one in a span of, God, less than 120 seconds or so. Yeah, if, if you're a Southampton fan, you'll be absolutely sick of that because we've been on the receiving end of that far too many times as well where you just get that one-two punch and, you know, you go from elation to dejection in the space of three minutes. Um, yeah, Onana's had a, I think it was, he has got a bit of a 50p head on him, Annie, but I think it was a an intentional, it looked like a set-piece routine that they'd maybe practised as well. And I like to see things like that where, you know, the player gets ahead, he keeps himself on side, and that had a ball across the box. You could have one, two, three blue feet on that. Any one of them could just tap it in. And we need to be doing a lot more of that. It was a, it was a lovely finish as well, like even though it was, you know, harder to miss than it was to score. It was still still a centre-half, so he still mm -hmm. had the job to do there. And the second one, that was that was very Aidan McGeady, wasn't it? The second it goal. was very Aidan McGeady. That's a great Against, shot. Um, Norwich, was it? <laughs> Norwich, I believe. So, yeah. Season, yeah. yeah. Like, I mean, like I said, we'd all been screaming our bloody lungs out to Dwight McNeil or All Right McNeil, as he's now been. Uh, <laughs> all right, McNeil. But yeah, he, he had again. As if you're a Southampton fan, you'd be so angry at that he had so much time on the ball. He, he could pick his spot. You know, he he could he could see the gap to the goal where he could just. Absolutely lashing in. Not one of the players goes to him. No one, no one charged him down or nothing. But it's still an absolutely lovely goal. And I think it should have been a penalty beforehand. I think the commentators on Peacock said that. And then he said, oh, it doesn't matter now. But, I mean, we let's be honest, we wouldn't have got it. Not from Andre yeah. Mariner. Um, yeah, one of those old, you know, old boys club referees that's still lingering around. I mean, six minutes at a time. I don't know where he got that from. And he still played another minute on top of that. Yeah. I, I I thought the refereeing today it was the usual standard of of below average <laughs> to bad. I mean, it was it was I I don't know. The 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 less said about it, the better. There, there seemed to be a you know once again. I, I think most are willing to accept a, a certain level of litigiousness from the refs as long as it's some consistent level. Uh, but there's just once again the. 
you know, even near the end, I, I thought that Rondon did not, did not <laughs> at all foul. The Southampton player was about to be off for a breakaway, which of course would have been a very slow breakaway, uh, you know, uh, granted, but still, I think, I think uh, th- there were several of those throughout the game. Um, the, I want to talk about uh, Amadou Onana again. I, 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 as you know, Matt love this guy, and I find, I find he has, I, I find he is quickly becoming, in some ways, and, and tell me if if this makes sense, kind of the straw that stirs the drink a little bit for this for this thing in terms of the the guy whose presence alone just seems to cause problems <laughs> for the for the opposition. Um, Again, I, you know, not a, not a game where I thought, oh, he was a nine out of 10 or anything like that, but yet um, he had a, a header that if, like you said, a, he's got a bit of a 50 P head, he probably should score to make it three, uh, yeah. one. And a lovely ball from Coleman as well. Yeah. A great ball from Coleman, maybe one of the better balls Coleman's ever played. I would love to have seen that turn into a goal. Onana feels like he's close to his first goal, but yet uh, kind of in, in, he's involved in both goals in some ways. He's, um, you know, once again in the midfield just seems to find ways to uh, play that, you know, play that physical brand of football without kind of crossing over that line of, of getting himself in trouble. He's still very tidy on the ball, makes makes good decisions, uh, you know, n- knows how to, to turn to turn. Uh, he's just so fun to watch. Um, I, I don't know about you, Matt, but I. I, I keep. I think the obvious answer is that Awobi has been Awobi's consistent level of high play has really been the 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 key to to the midfield finally becoming. I mean, I don't know if we're ready to call our central midfield the strength, but it's starting to really does feel like the strength compared to yeah. compared to the other areas of the pitch right now, but. It feels like what is, uh, and maybe you can argue this for Gay or for uh, Awobi or for Onana, in that the presence of the other two make the uh, that other person um, a little bit better. Maybe that's just a pure symbiotic thing, but it feels like the import of the the import and bringing someone in like Onana, who just represents something that Everton have not had. For such a long time, I know Matt Jones uh, on Twitter made once again the the Fellaini comparison, just from the standpoint that I I think the Belgian thing is the least like least of those things. I, I think it's just that, that being tall and rangy and physical and more skilled than you think that they're going to be, but but someone who's also just causing the causing chaos at all times for the opposition. I feel like Onana's brand of of midfield has allowed Awobi and allowed Gay to be better versions of themselves. What did you make of Onana today? What do you make in general of, of the impact that we've seen from him so far? Yeah, he is he's very Fellaini. He's a big handful, isn't he? But also absolutely brilliant on the ball. And that's why we paid the big bucks for him. I thought today, again, he was very, very good. And you're exactly right in what you say. Uh, Alex Awobi's play frees him up to, you know, develop more as a player, maybe make more mistakes and the consequences of those mistakes aren't as crucial as they might be because there's always Gay and Awobi there to buzz round. Um, and Gay again, he, he did that thing he did against West Ham where he just seems to run in like a figure of eight 
And mm. every now and again, he's like, he'll find a player. And he's just like, he's just doing his own thing, just running in figure of eight. He's like, oh, thank you. Oh, I'll have that ball. And you, you can't... You can't put a price on that in terms of having a young player who's just come into the league and just being able to play so freely and enjoy his football. And yeah, a part of both goals as well. And I think we're going to have a good, I don't know, maybe six months or so of that until I think everyone gets wise to it. And like they did with Fellaini, just <laughs> you know, little elbows and stuff. The referees will probably crack down and give it a bucket every single week. But I think we should enjoy this first six months when no one seems to be onto it yet. So mm. you can just throw him up there and the players don't know how to handle him because even though he's a big lad and he's a you know big galoot, a big handful, he doesn't really seem to foul that much. You yeah. know, he doesn't swing the arms around like Fellaini used to and stuff like that. He's just sort of there and he's just he's just like a big concrete ballard that they can't move. So it's, yeah. it's just impossible for defenders to play off him. And like you saw at the first goal, the ball comes in and it's just what can you do when you got this six foot five giants who just <laughs> nods it across? It, it could be an absolutely invaluable weapon for us in the first half of this season. But I do think that a lot of the league will get wise to it very quickly. That's not a slight on the lads, but it's just the way things go. Yeah. Well, and every player ultimately who comes into this league, uh, the, the book gets written on them and, and it's how they respond to that, those changes in, in tactics and, and the way in which others play play for them that really kind of is a testament to you know how enduring they're going to be uh in the league and how, how much they're going to be able to sustain their level of quality I think I think with Onana what impresses me is is you're right like one big difference uh between him and Fellaini is that Fellaini just had the flying elbows out all the time it felt like uh and and Onana is he's big and he's physical and yet he doesn't seem to rely like I don't even know that that is what he believes probably defines him because he is in this body that is big and physical and he has those capabilities and yet he does distinctly feel like someone who wants to play football if that makes sense like he is yeah. someone who is trying to make a really good pass he's not trying to necessarily go sideways and backwards all the time um i think in some ways uh players around him are having to catch up with the way he thinks the game like i i've noticed I, i've noticed that he sometimes will try to play a ball that's just not quite you know, like the players around him are not quite ready for, for that, but yet wasn't a bad decision by him. Uh, at the same time, he, like any young player, has certain wrinkles that, that have got to be ironed out with his game. But uh, again, I, I go back to it, whether we're talking about Gordon or um, or Nana or uh, Patterson or any of these players, if, they, if they're good enough, you play them, you let them figure it out, you let them go through their bumps and, and they come come out on the other side uh having having improved if, if they're the kind of player that's going to be good enough as it is um i want to talk about before we finish up i i want to talk about the substitutions um i think it was around the 75th minute or so matt we got uh the tom davis for onana and then i believe what do we have mcneil came off uh, at the time for um, for Rondon, uh, it was or, or for Mope. I'm sorry. I, th I think God, there was Gordon. Yeah, 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 I'm sorry. Gordon came on and then Mope went off for Ronda. Um, don't really. Obviously, the Mope and Rondon one, it you know, makes sense at the end of the game. You're trying to get, you know, more of a focal point. Everton were having a little trouble, uh, you know, in their hold up play, trying to have some kind of outlet. Um, I 
I, I don't know if it was a, if he felt like Onana was tiring or what have you. And it's not really, it's not even really that Tom Davis did anything wrong per se, but it did feel after those two substitutions, like Everton went through a period where they just couldn't get hold of the ball. Um, you know, some, that there was a bit of a zip kind of taken out of, out of their game. And, and Southampton just seemed to, at that point, enjoy a kind of a steady dose of, of pressure uh, on Everton's side. Everton couldn't, uh, you know, they were just seeming to hang on more than anything else at that point. Um, I, I think this is a bigger question I'm asking you, and this may be me extrapolating this one instance, because I, I think that it's worth talking about, but so far in the Frank Lampard era, it has felt like his substitutions can be pretty hit or miss. And, and maybe that's, maybe there's some hit or miss with all substitutions, you know, and maybe it's that players have to, you know, that the decision's right, but the players who came on just weren't up for it. But there are times where I feel like Lampard kind of outthinks himself on some of these substitutions. I'm not sure that I, I, I don't even know what to make of, of, of Lampard yet in terms of, of, of being good at that one thing. Like managers are ju- judged on their tactics in terms of their attacking approach, their defensive approach. They're judged on their man management. They're judged on their ability to kind of collectively bring up the spirit of the side. And I, I feel like I've got some pretty defined opinions on those areas with Lampard, but where I don't yet seem to have one because I can't really pin down whether he's good at this or not are some of the decisions that he makes in terms of, of substitutions. Matt, do you equate that to just having poor options off the bench? Do you think Lampard is still figuring this part of his managerial acumen out? What do you make of, of Lampard and his substitution game? Yeah, um, overall, I've not been wildly impressed. Um, listeners will remember after the uh, Nottingham Forest game when I was absolutely furious with the way he'd uh, basically surrendered the game. And um, in my view, he, his substitutions completely ruined any kind of flow or system we had. Um, but on occasion, like his substitutions can, you know, absolutely change the game. The ones today, um, I think especially the Onana for Davis one was him basically saying, okay, two one's fine. Uh, we're not going to shut up shop, but we're going to stop really pressing for that third goal and just try and settle the game down and just control it and manage it out. Mm-hmm. Obviously, that didn't re... I mean, we, we did it in the end, but it didn't yeah. look like that at the time. We did surrender quite a lot of um, a lot of opportunities to them. Um, but yeah, it's, it is a, a big thing about, you know, lack of options off the bench. I mean, just by the fact that... You know, by uh, Big Yerg's law now, we're allowed to do about 90 million substitutions and it's very rare we do more than three. Mm-hmm. We just don't. I mean, I'd like to see more of them just so we have fresh legs and stuff. But maybe, yeah, you're probably right in that. He outthinks himself on it because he probably thinks if I throw on five substitutions here, I might, you know, completely upset the system. And you know, especially when we're winning. But I think especially as the season goes on, we're going to have to start using more substitutions because players get tired and you know legs go little niggling injuries that we don't really hear about during the week might happen so it would be yeah. good for like the last half an hour 25 minutes i guess just to have you know five sets of fresh legs out there i guess yeah. it's, incumbent, it's incumbent on the players who start the game though to put us into a position where we can afford to do that um mm. it's it's rare under Lampard, even go back into last season that we've had an opportunity of you know we've been two goals up or something where he can say okay you know 
you lads come off, have a rest, you lads just manage the game out. It always seems to be fraught, you know, one goal or, you know, protecting a draw. Or it's just, it's a very stressful time to be an Evertonian. Well, well, yeah, it is. And yet I, I, I want to, I want to certainly end things on a, on a high note today, but yeah, it's, it feels like it's sort of all or nothing with him. Like he'll go games where he's like, I'm not going to put on any subs. We're going to play all yeah. these guys for 90 minutes or I'm going to like today. I think, you know, he did, he use, I don't know if he used all, he used four of them. I, 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 I get back to this idea that if done well, if done right uh, and done strategically, um, five subs can be a useful tool in your tool belt, but um, I don't, I think for some managers, it gives them too, too many options. If you, if you make, if that makes sense and it, it gives them too many additional variables to have to consider. Um, yeah. So the kind of a mixed bag today, but I, I, I want to end on the bottom line. Um, you know, we talked about the, some of the defensive issues, just looking at some of the stats, like, uh, Southampton ended up having the the possession 54 to 46 somewhat even but a little surprising given how much I felt like Everton dominated in the first half possession wise but then 21 shots but uh, for Southampton six on goal uh, we had 12 shots five on goal so a lot of a lot of shots today in general um, Everton I think I heard during the game or currently conceding the third most shots in the in the league and so you feel like some of that's got to tighten up but all of that said and i and i know that we focused on some things that were part of the 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 kind of uh inconsistent nature of this game uh everton took a situation that they have uh for the last several seasons uh, had a very predictable response to going down one nil on the road and they found a way not only to equalize, but but to get a winner, to find a way to hold on. Sometimes you get past a lot of these statistical metrics that we overanalyze, and it is about just, quote, finding a way. Everton found a way. Everton are, I can't believe I'm going to say this now, we've got two, two wins in a row, back-to-back wins, Matt, but... I believe if you want to count the league, uh, the league cup match, we that's seven unbeaten for us at this point. Yeah. Uh, six in a row, six unbeaten in the league, um, up to eleventh. Um, if you had offered me this start, Matt, I just to kind of finish things off. Um, given that I, I kind of thought, hey, this is a developmental season. If we finish fourteenth, I would have taken that uh, for Everton given their winless, long winless drought to begin the season uh, to be uh, up to 11th uh, after eight games. I, I think I'll take that, Matt. I think that that's, uh, I think that's pretty good given that we've not, as you said at the very beginning, and I think this point really needs to be hammered home. Uh, we've done all of this without Calvert-Lewin. Um, I'm beginning to wonder if we're ever going to see Calvert-Lewin. It's like they're waiting for him to be, it's like when you've charged your phone to 98% and you're like, ah, I still can't take it off the charger. It needs to be at 100 before I can feel comfortable with it. Uh, it feels like they're really trying to be extra careful with Calvert-Lewin. But to be, to be an 11th after eight, given the particular issues, given the wild nature of the transfer window, uh, I'll take it, Matt. How about you? Yeah, all day, all day. Could you imagine if someone had turned to you after the Chelsea game and said, we won't lose another game before October? Yeah. Oh, like, you never would have imagined. No. You would not have believed it, no. I mean, I, I did have 
I was optimistic for this season. I said before, I've always kicked. I think I thought we'd get maybe as many as 15 points from the first 10 games. And I yeah. was laughed at. But, you know, it was a completely wild claim at the time, I know. But, you know, now we've got 10 points with two more games to go before that uh, that 10 game milestone that everyone always focuses on. So, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty delighted, to be honest. Um, yeah, not much more to say than that. It's. It's a nice start. We'd like to see more goals, obviously, more comfortable uh, results. But you can't you can't sniff at two back to back wins. And uh, next week will be a, a big test, especially with the issues we discussed with the defence and allowing shots. And that I think Manchester Manchester United are exactly the kind of team that um, could potentially punish that. So it'll be very interesting to see how they train in the week and then yeah. what, what kind of setup and what kind of. Uh, what kind of performance we see next Sunday in a absolutely bizarre kickoff time, which is supposed to suit you, but it's <laughs> 10, 10 p.m. on a Sunday night. Is, I know it's because they're in Cyprus or something on the Thursday, but it's just, it's it's just, it's such an obnoxious time to kick off a football match on a weekend. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I mean, Matt, look, we you know America's taking over the Premier League, so you know I love these. Uh, we're we're ruining the game and uh, making the the times better for kickoff for people like me. I think that's the most important thing. Um, only mild, uh, slight correction. Uh, you said uh, we haven't lost since Chelsea. It's Villa. I keep forgetting about that Villa game. So we lost to oh, Villa yeah. after Chelsea, and then which yeah. I think I, you know what's funny is that now seeing seeing how we played since then, I can't believe we lost to to Villa. They're terrible, uh, and I yeah. <laughs> hate that we've lost to them. But yeah, I just no, that uh, from my memory. Yeah, <laughs> no good run of form. But look, I you know home against United uh, at a weird start time on a Sunday. Uh, no one likes the weird start time part of it. But I also uh, I also don't. I'm not afraid. I don't think I'm afraid of anyone at Goodison right now. I mean, I, I think that I think that Everton are are so for Everton to have, have gotten on a a pretty nice run like this with you know you, regardless of whether or not you want more of these results to have been wins which we all do uh being unbeaten in the league in 6 is is just nothing to sneeze at and for them to do so while still playing uh a very imperfect <laughs> looking brand of football at this point i think to me I, I look at that as as a somewhat promising uh omen going forward that they've 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 won some ugly matches they've 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 gotten some scrappy draws whatever you want to call it but um they they've they've endured injuries and a lot of turnover in the squad uh you know, to have lost your, you know, two center halves to start the season, you know, not have Calvert-Lewin, um, you know, to lose Nathan Patterson and to, to still keep this thing going and and uh, to, to win a game that was pretty tricky on, on the road in a place that we've had. Let's be honest, I we haven't even talked about that part of it. We, we have not had any good, any fortune away at Southampton in a while. Uh, with, when was the last time we won there? Was that when Lukaku was playing for us? It feels like it's been like when Kuman was it Kuman's first season or something like that? It feels like a while since we've won at Southampton, though. I could just be yeah. remembering one of the COVID games, uh, you know, and, and something like that. But yeah, no, 2 1. Uh, Everton win 2 1. Um, the Toffees are up to 11th. We've got United next Sunday. We're going to have. A ton to talk about this week. Um, thanks for uh, thanks to all of you for 
uh, riding along uh, on the rickety ride that is a Rob Vera hosted post match. Uh, <laughs> someone who is not very, you realize how good you've got it with Matt Jones when uh, when I take the helm of this ship. But big thanks to Matt Fluss for joining me today. Uh, Everton two, Southampton one. Uh, we've got plenty of other things coming up this week, uh, and we will talk to you again soon. Take care. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.